The views expressed in the show are not necessarily the views of the U. This is Student Activist Hub Radio, a conversation on local and national political issues and events. You can call us at 314-516-8438. That's 516-THE-U. And now your hosts, Adam and Kevin. All right, this is Student Activist Hub Radio, uh, and I am your host, uh, Kevin, with my co-host, Adam, uh, and we we were told to yap, stop yapping by the executive producer, <laughs> so now we're back on the air, and sorry about cutting you off there, Adam. Um, oh, that's no, okay. Um, I thought um, maybe one thing we can do, um, since uh, hopefully Brian is still uh, on the way over here, yeah. um, I got a comment on Facebook page that um someone suggested that he might be on another call right now i don't know all right it had a question mark so i don't know if that means that he is on another call okay or he might not be um but anyways um he uh uh i wanted to spend a little time kind of laying out um the story um so that uh when brian gets here we can we can just jump right in um so basically um a while ago, it was before uh, even the Thanksgiving break, November 17th, um, I think, ev- so So there are parts of the story that everyone agrees on, and I'll just kind of start out with that. And what what is the story? I mean, I know that there, we, this, we're, we are an UMSL, uh, we are part of the UMSL community, mm-hmm. um, but what what, are, what is the story that you're specifically, the, the title that we're specifically referring to? The title? Yeah. I, I haven't named it. I was just going to describe or, what happened. Yeah, or, or just what are we referring to when we say, you know, this event? Oh. Uh, this incident. What is this incident? Well, I'm going to get into that. I mean, uh, basically, uh, Brian was uh, beaten by um, UMSL police um, on campus. And so uh, there's a disagreement about whether he was um, uh, beaten for fair reasons or for unfair reasons uh-huh. and i'm gonna sort of i'll dive in a little bit All right. um to to kind of go into um you know what what happened so so the things that i think everyone agrees on um on november 17th um the police received a call and about a girl being in distress in the umsel radio station so that initial call didn't you know didn't have anything to do with brian um the police came to the station and um they Supposedly, we're under the impression that Brian and this girl had had some kind of um, disagreement earlier in the day. Um, and so, um, well, I'm sorry. So they came to the station to, to take care of the girl. Um, but from someone from the station came out. Brian was sitting outside of the station. We're kind of, so we're in the same station right now. We're looking out in this lobby. Um, you know, Brian was in the station uh or was sitting outside of the station, but someone from the station came out and told him, you know, can you leave the Millennium Center, which is the student who, center. Who, one of the officers? At, uh, uh, at UMSL. Uh, well, first of all, it was someone from the station. Oh, right. Asked him to leave. All oh, right. And so Brian um, said, you know, no, I'm not going to leave. Um, according to all sides of the story, you know, he didn't want to leave when he was asked by this radio station manager. And then... Um, Supposedly, uh, I don't. I don't know exactly. Okay, so now I'm getting lost in the details. I really hope Brian <laughs> comes and clears <laughs> it out. But um, somehow the police were sort of told, you know, to have Brian leave this this area. 
Uh, I don't know whether it was from a call from the person in the station or whether, you know, they told him after after this person was there. But um, but anyways, the police came. They asked Brian for an ID. Um, he gave him a school ID, which is what they asked for. Then they asked him for another uh, his driver's license. He gave him his driver's license. And then um, some kind of confrontation started. Um, and Brian was pulled into another room and was beaten um, for a pretty extended period of time. Um, and so what exactly happened in that situation, there's a lot of uh, disagreement about. Yeah. Um, but so basically the sort of the, the official police story, um, I'll, I'll say, I'll just kind of read from um, the uh, student newspaper at, the, uh, at UMSL called The Current, um, which did uh, the sort of initial story on this. So, okay, so the official, here's, here's a quote from the story about uh, what happened. So, quote, um, this is from uh, a guy named, um, sorry, Bob Samples, who's the associate vice chancellor oh, he of uh, Advancement <laughs> for Communication. Oh, Brian's coming, yeah, so he Brian will, he will clear all this stuff up. Yeah. So anyways, um, the police sort of story is that Brian had grabbed their arm and um, tried to um, attack them, but there have been several witnesses um, in the first... Uh, in the first uh, article in the current, they quoted one witness named Justin Collins, um, who. Uh, sorry, we're we're the, the station is is uh, <laughs> getting busy getting ready for Brian to come in. Yeah. Um, who uh, who they quoted uh, one witness, Justin Collins, who said who basically said that uh, the police story uh, was not correct and that um, Brian had did not attack them uh, had not you know, done anything to provoke them. Um, the second um, current story had two more witnesses who also said um, that Brian did not do anything um, to provoke the police. Um, and in addition to that, uh, I have a friend um, here at UMSL who's put me in contact with a couple other witnesses, and they also have said that Brian did not do anything to provoke the police. And now it's really reached a level of absurdity because um, in the initial police reports, all they said was that Brian had tried to grab an arm. And now, three weeks later, all of a sudden they're adding this element to the story claiming that Brian had tried to throw a punch um, at it at one of the officers. Yeah. So so anyways, um, it's it's getting pretty wild. And uh, hopefully that's um, a little bit of context. But uh, really, I think Brian will, will probably do the best job of of yeah. telling us what's going on. So, yeah. so our next guest, Brian, um, is here with us in the studio. Um, and we've been you sort of laying the background and the groundwork. Um, and, and we have more than enough time because <clears throat> somebody named Beloved Show comes on after <laughs> I can't work for him. That Who's that? You can take all the time you need. <laughs> oh, he's very generous. <laughs> Good evening, everybody. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, I am the infamous Brian K. Massey. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, uh, we'll have to, you know, hide or hide the children. Right? <laughs> no. but, First, uh, let me let me say thank you to everybody that is standing up, trying to get the, the right thing out there. Because as I'm witnessing right now, and I can't believe this is 2010, mm-hmm. that we got a cover up like Watergate. <laughs> you know, they they are. This is ludicrous. Mm-hmm. I read this re-edited article, and then the part that even got me goes. They quoted me saying that I was uh, educated to 
something about injustice, not to take injustice. And they even said them kind of words. I mean, oh. I told them I was a criminal justice student. Yeah. I thought that injustice had happened to me. But not only did they take creative liberties with mm. the article, they just started making things up. So, yes. And this is the KMOX so, uh, story. Yeah. Right. Because I read the original one last night and yeah. told people to read it. And then when I happened to go on Adam's link and I saw the new one and I talked to him afterwards, I mean, I had just read it as he called me. That was part of the reason why I'm late because I just had to sit and decompress for a minute. I just couldn't believe uh-huh. how they just changed and how I'm so, who every day I come here, I'm so proud to be here. Now I'm ashamed. Mm-hmm. So. Um, yeah, so Brian um, is referring to, I think we'll get into this in a little bit, but KMOX wrote an article last night um, that was very detailed um, that had numerous quotes from witnesses yeah. all saying, um, agreeing with Brian's story, saying that you know the police story wasn't accurate. All of a sudden, today, I checked the same link, and that story had been... I mean, it's basically two-thirds of the story have been cut down. Um, it's like now a very short story, and it, it's a story that um, completely removed all quotes from the witnesses. So yeah. it basically makes it sound like it's only Brian who's saying what he's saying yeah. um, versus the police. And, and what makes that so, you know, which, of course, everyone who's guilty of a crime says that, that, that you know, oh, I didn't do it. But what about what's I mean, what's fascinating about brian's case is that there are five or six people at least who have already like gone on record saying the police story is inaccurate and basically as far as i've seen brian no one um who witnessed this event other than the police has said you know who has confer- has agreed with their story is, is that what you found too the interesting part about this is you know they say that i went to strike at an officer it's kind of hard to do that when you have one officer that has your hand, your your left hand cuffing it and grabbing it, and you have another officer pulling you the opposite direction who's about six foot two and I'm five nine, taking you in another direction through a crowd. I don't remember when, you know, because I know I didn't do it. I know it did not happen. For them to change and then not to start adding to be liable against me, to say that I went to strike at an officer, it went from that I was told I was being arrested for, for trespassing, which was the case, to now that the officer first I, I grabbed his wrist then he told me i was under arrest for assault then i went to strike at him that is just an out and out lie yeah brian um and and adam you mentioned something about sort of charges for a crime but had the have the umso police or has any authority you know pressed charges in any way i've been charged with felony assault on a police officer assault disturbing the peace Resisting arrest, and this is the best one, trespassing. Uh-huh. I'm a full-time college student. I volunteer at an establishment on campus <laughs> <laughs> uh, for free, uh, but yet I was trespassing. And, you know, the part of this story is, and, and I really hate to include, but I need to, another person that volunteers at the radio station who is the sports director, and last time I checked, Sports director mean that you were over sporting mm. the sports events that go on. There was not managed behind any of that title. He's also a student too. And this is the person that came out and told me that I need to leave the building that I needed to go. Mm-hmm. And I told him that why well, a 
the person that sent me a threatening text and B, I paid too much money to have to go. And then C, I wasn't interfering. And I was told that the person could see me through the back of the office of the radio station Yeah, through the booth means that she was seeing through our manager, Keith Robinson here at the, uh, com through this door, through whoever was doing DJing and could see me through people standing there and past that column where I was standing. Yeah. Explain that because there's a lot of sort of smoke behind sort of explain the, the, the that instant early incident and, and, and what happened around that. What has happened? <clears throat> so, okay, we'll just, you know, take the, the, the cover off the veil. Well, how about I, 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 I am the DJ that's also known as Beloved. All right. So <laughs> um, there's another young lady that goes by Divine Diva. Well, in the, the days leading up to this, she became very antagonistic toward me. And I don't understand why, but then this is just her, her, her nature at times. She's hot and cold. Well, that morning, what happened was we had some choice words with each other, uh, dealing with her giving allegations to others that I had wanted to be romantically involved with her. And I came and told her to stop and desist with these rumors and telling folks that a, I wanted to be and B that she shot me down. So in the midst of all this, it became I don't quite say ugly and because I I never said anything that was neither factual or inaccurate in describing things to her about herself because I had had enough of her poking me. I do mean literally physically poking me with her nails, telling me she could do anything she wants to me, sending me threatening texts and just talking out of her, her way to me and then oh, coming hmm. back and apologizing. And I just kept accepting her apologies. Well, that morning I had finally had enough and, I was sitting back there as we all come in and do things. I had my uh, headphones and stuff that I keep here, my yeah. music and stuff. Yeah. So I got every right to be back there. So then after the ch- exchange of words, she left out. I then went to my class at t- uh, 1230. While in class, I had received, but I didn't know it because my phone was on quiet, a uh, threatening text from her uh, saying basically that I was going to get my butt kicked and a racial epitaph after that. Um so I did, showed did it you to save uh, this, uh, text. Oh, yeah. uh, it's uh, I could show you right now. It's saved on my phone. It's okay, not okay. going nowhere. Okay. Um, I can also show you ones where she sent saying things that, oh, you're sent for heaven. I'm listening to your your program now. Oh, you're so good. You know, this is how hot and cold she goes. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, so I get out of class. I see that I got this message waiting on my phone. I show it to Keith Robinson. I show it to a couple other people. I let it go. Okay. Uh, I go downstairs outside the Nosh here in the Millennium Student Center, and I'm outside smoking a cigar. We're approximately around um, 345, 4 o'clock. Keith Robinson came down and said, well, Brian, uh, I just wanted to let you know that Raina's talking about, and that's her name, killing herself. And I'm like, oh, okay, what's that got to do with me? Well, she's pretty upset from, you know, the whatever argument you all had or the words, and he was here present for it, and John Edwards had walked in on the very end of the change of director. Right. So Keith tells me this, and I, I once again refer to and ask him, so what does this got to do with me? He goes, well, and I quote him. He said, well, I told her to come back up here because she's saying she's going to harm herself. Okay. I said, oh, okay, fine. All right, well, I got nothing to do with that. He said, I just thought I'd let you know so you know uh, you'd be prepared for her being up here. Okay. So he leaves. And I, I say this because I've told this to everybody. I then, and it's, it's it's ironic. I then looked across over at the statue of the senator and the fountain, and I said to myself, "I feel a storm coming." 
don't uh, know why I felt that. But then I came mm-hmm. in, finished my cigar, spoke to some other students, came up the escalator. Uh-huh. Now, the part that's intriguing to me is that I had forgot that this is what I exactly did. I went over to aromas because the smell of the baked goods caught my attention. All right. But my blood sugar was up anyhow. And I had walked over there and Man. I told the ladies that I'll be back. And it was like, okay. So before I go into the story, they told me when I finally, you know, got back here in school that she had just came in before I came up the stairs because I did not see her. Who did diva. Right. And it went over to the counter and they could not understand anything she was saying, that she was slurring her words, whatever. And this would be considered hearsay, but this is what they told me. Okay. And that when she walked away, that her clothes were ripped. You could see her undergarments. She was visibly intoxicated and she stumbled that people had to come help her because she had on heels. And then they brought her here and put her in the back of the studio. So we fast forward. Now I've come upstairs. I'm not aware of this. I come around. Uh, Dasma Hopkins was right here. And on the flat screen in front of us is the interview that Raina did with uh, the people at the homeless tent thing that they were trying to promote. And this other group she's working with to help, you know, bring attention to their cause. Mm-hmm. So I donate a dollar. I then come around and I'm about to come grab some stuff because I'm waiting on another DJ to come from the library. Well, when I come to the door, Keith sees me and waves me and says, don't come in. I nod my head in affirmative, come back out. Mm -hmm. I'm standing out here. John Edwards then comes out and tells me, "Uh, you need to leave. I said, why do I need to leave? Then he goes on his spiel about uh, she's upset and my presence is upsetting her and this, that, and other. So then I show him the text message and he goes, I have nothing to do with that. And he goes, I'm tired of you immature MFs around here and storms off. As he storms off, I tell him, well, you know, I pay too much money to go here, but I need to leave the building. I then walk across over to the railing, and I'm talking to Demaris Carter, known as Mara. She's with a uh, university uh, program board. Okay. So she's speaking with me and asked me, you know, what had happened that morning. So, And then when we're speaking, we're not speaking out loud. It's not, you know, attention. We walk off this way, and we're talking to each other very close, like ear to ear. I then said, well, you know, I'm about to go uh, over here. She said, no, come on, sit by me. So I go over. You can't see exactly because the column's right in front of me, but I kneel on the carpet over there by the railing, and I'm looking down into the nosh. All of a sudden, there's a young lady that's up here all the time with her baby in a stroll, and everybody, you know, pays attention because he's a cute little boy. Uh She's in and out of the door right here in the radio station, and every time she comes out, she's giving impromptu updates of what's happening back here. Now, she's bringing attention. She's like, oh, God, we need to get somebody. And she's talking crazy and blah, blah, blah. So, you know, people are kind of like noticing that. And she came out two or three times. Well, then you see people starting to come through. Uh, I saw one umso cop, somebody that's like was in a janitor's uniform, whatever. But so one little shorter guy was posted right here. And he was just looking around. He was around. a cop. This is I, No, this other person was not a cop. Okay. He was somebody that works for the building. But the cops then, one came through the door, and then I guess the others came through the back. I then noticed John Edwards standing outside here, outside of the Studio A in the hallway right here in the glass partition. He is red-faced, he's animated, and he's pointing at me. Okay. Then the shorter, and I cannot remember the short, the shorter officer, but then he looks through the window, and he has this very menacing look on his face. The door flies open. He comes out. I look at Demaris. I go, that's about me. I then stand <laughs> up. He comes to me. Now, the crowd sees him come to me. So 
the crowd starts formulating. Okay. He walks up to me and goes, what's your name? Everybody that knows me know I always use my whole name and my initial. I go, Brian K. Massey. He goes, I need to see some ID. I say, sure. So I pull out and I can show you the exact wallet that I had. Okay. Because I always keep it on me. My ID is usually right here where it is. Okay. So I pull out my ID and present him my UMSO ID first. Yeah. So he snatches it out of my hand. Mm-hmm. And he goes, hmm. So the crowd is saying things. And they're saying things like, why are you messing with him? Um, you only mess with him because he's black. Now, I'm not saying nothing. So I have uh-huh. my left hand holding my wallet. And he goes, I need to see Missouri ID. Okay. I said, well, and he yelled at me. I said, well, one, I'm not your child, sir. Please quit yelling at me. And sure, you need to give me a second. I'll pull it out. And please don't snatch. But it's going to take me a minute because it's hard for me to get things out of my wallet. Okay. He goes, I said, show me some ID. So I struggle, get my ID out, go to hand it to him. He goes to snatch. I say, please don't snatch because if you'll touch my hands, feel how cold my hands are. It's not because of the cold weather. I have neuropathy. My hands are cold 24-7, 365 days a year because I've lost nerve feeling and I have nerve damage. Okay. It's part of the things of side effect of neuropathy. Okay. So he snatches my Missouri ID out of my hand. Now I'm standing there with my left hand holding my wallet still, my right hand like this open, waiting for him to hand me the ID. Uh Someone says, and this is what they say, he don't have to show you nothing. So he's someone from the the crowd. crowd. He then turns around, he's looking, his eyes get real big. He goes, You're under arrest for trespassing. And I go, What? And my expression is my shoulders go up my hands are out and i go what what do you mean i'm a student here he then grabs my left hand knocking my wallet out my hand throws a cuff on me he then motions to clark clark comes and grabs my right hand this immediately. Is a, this is another officer. The other officer we got a funny side story when we get to that so then they grab me and drag me toward this column right in front of us and i'm telling them hold on wait a minute i can't move that fast i have neuropathy give me a second they tried to smash my face against the column but i put my foot out to stop my momentum so then they're saying, quit. Now they're saying this out loud, and I know this is what police do as procedure, because now this is the way they formulate their story. They start saying out loud, quit resisting, quit, you're resisting arrest. And I'm telling them, no, I'm not resisting. And I'm saying it in this voice, I am not resisting. Give me a second. I will do what you ask. Mm-hmm. I just can't move that fast. Mm-hmm. Give me a second. So then they start dragging and telling them, gentlemen, I have neuropathy. I can't move that fast. My feet hurt. And they're numb. So then they slam me against the window right here in front of the station. Yeah. Uh, another DJ named Scott Thomas, DJ Static, was having his show at the time. So he's a full witness exactly also that went on. They slam me against the window. They start hitting and punching me. So now the crowd has gotten angry and it's becoming a mob. And they're yelling and screaming all kinds of things. I'm concentrating on the fact that I'm getting hit. And I'm going, I can't believe this is happening to myself. So they start hitting me and... The small one goes in my ear. You need to do what I said. There's cameras watching you. There's no cameras out here, but that's what he said. I wish it was because then we would have video of everything that went on. Mm -hmm. So then he tells Clark, you know what? Let's get him out of this area and pulls me back here behind the door. Well, as they pull me behind the door, the onslaught and assault continues. Then they start hitting me in my side. Clark then, who is like six, two over 250 taller than me is now kicking me while he's standing with his, his foot into my left thigh. He's kicking and kicking and kicking. The other one is pulling me the opposite direction as Clark is pulling me toward him, but kicking me. The other one is punching me in the thigh, punching me in the side. And I'm still saying, gentlemen, would you please stop? I cannot move that fast. 
I can't do what you say. You're both pulling me two different ways. I can't do what you instruct. I'm trying to do what you say. Would you please stop hitting me? They did not listen. Clark stopped for a minute, caught his breath, and then started punching me in the thigh. So finally, I have a messenger bag, the one that you just saw me walking with yeah. around my neck. Yeah. It is now choking me because they have got my arms kind of away. My bag is swinging. They then, I decide to go on one knee. I'm trying to do what they say. They okay. then push my face into the wall, hit me in the head. Now my glasses are skewed and my nose and everything is into the ground. Mm. I'm getting hit in the head. I'm getting punched in the back. I'm getting punched in the side. I'm getting hit in the legs. Now I'm telling the gentleman, stop, please stop. So I realized I'm choking and I can't see. So I pulled the other officer with my arm and fixed my glasses and loosened the strap around my neck because I can't breathe. So once I do that, I then completely submit and relax my arms. Okay. They then handcuff me, but keep on hitting me. The door flies open and some students are so angry and they're telling me, we're going to kill you. I mean, they're saying all kinds of things. Really? And I'm looking and I'm just like, wow, this is just surreal. So then they. We were, yeah, we're going to take a. Sorry, sorry to no, cut you right. off, Brian, but we've got to take a quick station break, and then we'll come back. And Trust me, yeah. I ain't forgot what happened. <laughs> okay. All right. We'll just take a quick station break, and we'll be right back. Welcome, students, to the university. Here are your classmates. Hi, I'm Nelly Potato. This is Rihanna. Yo, yo, what's up? This is Sean Paul. Hey, everybody, what's up? This is Britney Spears. Bud, does she really go to school? Learning more and enjoying more. Hey everybody, it's Jessica Simpson. Hey, this is Lindsay Lohan. And we are Green Day. This is Beyonce. Hi, this is Usher. And you're listening to Oh Soul Student Radio. To you. Okay, we are back. This is Student Activist Hub Radio, and I'm your host, Kevin, with my co-host, Adam. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we are with Brian Massey uh, and talking about an incident, uh, uh, a violent incident uh, of the, where the police... Uh, and Brian um, were involved, uh, and we wanted to just you know continue right where you left off. I, I did want to just you know the crowd is a part of this story and might have you know been involved in why the police reacted the and way they did. Truthfully, you know, I've been asked by people that have been interviewed, did I think race played a part in it? Uh-huh. I don't believe so. What I believe played a part in that adrenaline from the cops overreacting, the crowd getting animated and upset, them hastily making a decision trying to i guess remove me from the scene but never never was i asked by the police to leave the area or come with me so we can talk to you they just grabbed me and said i was under arrest for trespassing oh wow so they um, never even asked never it was only brian edwards who john, john, edwards, edwards, john edwards right so oh, wow. um they get me behind the door and I, as i said so finally i'm cuffed so then i realized my shoe and sock has come off my right foot a gentleman, I can't remember his name. I want to say Isaac, I think. I'm not sure. But works here in the Lost and Found and Information happened to walk in because he relayed later on. He told me he heard the blows that I was getting all the way inside there. Really? So he had came in and was telling him, you know, he he's not moving. You handcuffed him. You can quit hitting him. When they realized somebody else was there, then they stopped. So then they turned me over. I then said, please do not put your hands back on me again. You have already injured me. Do not touch me. Uh, another officer was in observation. His name was Officer Wingham. I must give him credit because he was one of the few people that treated me very decently as this was going on. I then asked could the gentleman that came in, who's also African-American, I said, I don't want nobody else touching me. Will you let him put my shoe and sock on because I'm not going to be drug out of here with one bare foot. I keep telling you I have neuropathy. And my words verbatim was, I'm looking at the big picture. 
you know, I, I need to be able to have this foot later on, not because you are in a hasty moment made a bad decision. So they let him put my shoe and sock on. I then took my arms and put them in front of me, put them underneath my legs and put my cuffed self arms because the way they had me cuffed to the back was further aggravating how I was already feeling. Okay. So then it was like, oh, my God, oh, my God. And I was like, do not touch me. So Officer Wingham came behind me. And then they went to lift me, and they pulled me by my shoulders, and he grabbed me by the back of my pants. Mm-hmm. So then they picked me up, and they start taking me around the back. As they take me around the back, Clark then grabs my cuff and squeezes it real tight, making it tighter. He then takes my right hand and bends it over the, or underneath the cuff, like making the cuff go over my hand and making it tight like he's trying to break my wrist and restrain me. I then state, I'm already secure and restrained. Do you ne- really need to do it? Is that necessary? That hurts. Once again, you're cutting off my circulation. I have no rapidly. Would you please stop doing that? They're now dragging me. One is shorter than me. The other one's taller than me. Officer Wingham has me by my pants in the back. Mm-hmm. They're dragging me around the corner. I'm trying to get my footing. I'm still telling them I can't get my footing. Can you wait? Can you slow down, please? Officer Clark trips over my legs and hits the ground. Mm-hmm. He hits the ground. I go, officer, did you fall? Are you all right? He looks up and then the other officer goes, you know, that's assault. We can charge him for assault, man. And I said, are you kidding me? He Wait, fell over. He, he, where did he fall over? My legs. And you, he was walking ahead of you or behind you? He was pulling me. The other one was move, not moving as fast and the officer Wingham had me by my pants. So I'm kind of like lifted off the ground. They didn't oh, really okay. give me a chance to get my footing. Clark falls over my legs because imagine that hallway back there. So if I'm in the middle and I got two people on my side and one in the back, that's not enough room. So it's kind of like we're angled. Yeah. So he falls over my legs. The other officer states, you know, that's assault. And I, I just in this week. Said, who, who is he talking to, to you or to Clark? To Clark. So then he gets back up and there was a student that was going into the office right there that when you first come in through that doorway down there mm. before you get to the international students thing going in. And I wish I knew he was, but he saw this happen. So then they dragged me out to the front by the bookstore. And then we're met by Normandy police. Normandy police goes, what's the problem? They go, well, we got him. Can you go see about this person in the crowd? Cause we were calling you for crowd control. So Wait, they, this per- okay. So they dragged me outside. Now I've never in my life and I've been arrested before. Um, been put in a front seat of a police car while cuffed. So they take me in between two unsel police cars with about a foot of space, and it's hard to get in. So they tell me to get in the front. As I'm trying to get in, and I've told you that all that will happen to my legs. I'm trying to pull my legs and I'm cuffed. The shorter officer slams my leg with the door and tells me, I hurry up and get in. And I said, I can't move that fast. So I get my leg in, they didn't take me to the station. Then while we're in the station, I tell them I do not want any of them touching me. They put their hands on me. I will let Officer Wingham process me. So he comes in, is doing the processing. He leaves out. Clark is then sitting at the desk and turns around and goes, you're beloved from the uh, radio station. You interviewed me for Drunk Awareness Week. We did an interview together. I said, oh, really? Now you recognize who I am. Please stop talking to me. I don't want to talk to you now. What 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 was his tone of voice when he said that? Oh, he became a nice person then. He became the person I interviewed. But then when the, his co-workers came back in, they went back to being cold and aloof and talking about, oh, uh, I think I broke my toe. And they're like, oh, you have blood on you. Is that from you? But I was bleeding also from how they put the cuffs on me so tight. So then he goes, well. Uh, I don't know. I need. I probably need to get checked out. So then they leave the room. So I'm sitting there with by myself for a while and the officer Wingham. Um, after two hours go by, they come back 
and they go through all my stuff. Now, you see this on my neck right on my laner is my pass to get into the radio, radio station. Show. Mm-hmm. They came back and went through every piece of my identification saying that the radio station says you have a guest pass that you probably have too. Keith knows I only have one because I had two for a minute and gave it to somebody else that needed one because okay. I had lost mine. They said, well, they want this back. Now I'm starting to think of conspiracy theory because when I move forward, when I got all my property back, I saw them take this out of my lanyard thing right here and have his hand. When I got back, when I finally got released, it was back in my possession as if they wanted me to try to use it. I, I, I don't know. So from that, I'm not feeling well. And I tell them, well, um, can you please call EMS? Cause I'm not feeling well. So they call EMS and EMS comes and goes, well, he needs to go to the hospital. His blood sugar is really high. And so is his blood pressure. Um, so, so the, the police were aware of your condition. Um, at this time, both Clark, the, both the police who are, who are handling, you were both aware of this condition. I made it clear to them. Okay. And now, um, you know, it's funny. Maybe also don't want to know this, but I am, and I can show you ID right now. So say so we can uh, have this uh, valid that on my state of Illinois ID, because I'm from Chicago, mm-hmm. I want you to read what it says right there. Uh, the class P10? No, no, oh. no, no. Type disabled, yeah. Right, I have. Yeah, the, the type disabled, which is on the, the Illinois driver's license. All right, it's also on my plates, which are from Illinois. My UMSO sticker is for parking a disabled one. If you go on my records, it shows I'm disabled. So, so I'm they saw that it, on your identification. I'm quite sure they went through it when they, went, they had to see it then. So moving right along, they then called the ambulance. The ambulance comes, and they're about to take me away, and they're about to put leg irons on me and i'm saying well you know you've already beaten my legs please don't do that because you know I'm, i just don't want my circulation cut off so the ems guy stood up for me said no the way his condition is right now that could damage him don't put him on so he stood up for me so they take me to saint they asked me where i want to go i say saint john's that's where my doctor's at we get there officer wingham and another female officer are saying you well you know what they're probably going to find you not fit for incarceration. What we can't do, Brian, you still got to be served, whatever charges you're going to get, and I can bring them to you. I'm like, okay. So he's thinking that, well, I'm going to get let go. And he goes, well, can you call somebody to get a ride? I'm thinking, yeah, because if we leave, we can't take you back. I'm like, all right. So I'm thinking that. All of a sudden, the female officer gets a call, comes back in, says Van Ness wants him to be. Who, uh, who is Van Ness? The chief of police here. Okay. Wants him to be uh, kept in custody at the hospital. So then they say I had a seizure, a pain seizure, whatever. I don't remember because I don't know. I just know what they told me. Um, So from that, they didn't take me upstairs. And then I'm cuffed for that day by and watched by UMSO police. Finally, about that night, the following night, St. Louis County Jail came and they took over custody. So then I was shackled with one hand and one leg to the bed. I spent three days like that. Not yet have it been made afforded a phone call to let anybody know what's going on with me, to tell somebody that I'm there or where I'm at. Had you been charged? Had they served you with the charge? They had charged me, but I hadn't been served, served them yet. Okay. So while I'm at the hospital, the officer comes up and brings paperwork saying that you've been suspended from school. You cannot go on the campus. Do not go to classes. If you do, you'll be arrested. I ask him then, well, I stay at Mansion Hill. 
I don't know what the contract is, but am I allowed to go home? He goes, I believe so. Just don't go on campus. I say, okay. I never get to read the paperwork. I don't remember which officer it was, but okay. it was the officer because he then put my paperwork in my belongings. They then shipped my, took my belongings two to days your- before me to St. Louis County Jail. So I never got to read the paperwork. So from that, real quick, I then spent three days in the hospital. I get out on Friday. Well, they released me from the hospital on Friday. The doctor wrote for me to go to the infirmary. So I then get taken to St. Louis County Jail, and I'm in the infirmary for three days. Until um, I was able to make a free phone call, I wasn't able to con- contact my parents. And then they, they had told me they had found out what was going on. They were working on trying to get my release. Well, Monday night, because um, they were adamant about not letting me get 10% of this $10,000 bond they wanted. They wanted $10,000. I'm a college student. I ain't got $10,000, let alone a hundred right now. Mm-hmm. It's the end of the year. All right. So I get bonded out. Um, I come home Monday night, no incident. Tuesday, I'm doing laundry as I'm walking across from picking up a package of my diabetic supplies that came to the office at Mansion Hill. As I put it in my, and I live right across the street from the office. As I come back out my door, Officer Wingham pulls up in his car and I go, what's going on? And he goes, Brian, I hate to tell you, but we got a call on you. I'm going, what? He goes, I don't know. We'll see. Then six other UMSA police cars plus uh, the sergeant pulls up. Now, look Van, at my. Van Ness? No, not, no, a sergeant. Not the chief, but a sergeant. And I don't know, remember his name, but they all pull up. So now I've got, including the little short cop that assaulted me. Prior. Looking, prior. prior. Looking me in the face, I walk away from him and look toward the sergeant and Officer Wingham. So I don't have to look, gaze at him so it won't be said mm-hmm. I mean mugged him or mouthed anything to him. Mm-hmm. So I'm wondering, does it take basically seven UMSA police people to come talk to me? So then they go, well, we don't know what's going on. When we find out, tell you what, Brian, you're not really being a problem. You're being quiet, so you just you know keep doing what you're doing, and then we find out we'll come back. Well, I watched them. I went back in my apartment. They they The car... The, Patrol cars left, but the unmarked truck stayed there and parked over to the side. He sat there for like about 45 minutes. Who? This is the same officer. This, no, no, this is the sergeant. Oh, this I guess is the they sergeant. were making a call. So then all of a sudden, the six cars show back up, plus an uh, also a van with student affairs director DeAndre Braddix. He, they then walk up to the door because I see them come. So I come out the door. They go, well, Brian, this is actually owned by UMSO, and you're not supposed to be here either. I go, well, the only reason why I came is because the officer said I could. If I knew I couldn't, trust me, I wouldn't have showed up because I know there'll be something else you just want to do to me. So they go, well, we'll give you 30 minutes. I go, well, I'm moving kind of slow. Can I have at least an hour? Uh, the one uh, officer that was talking that was in, in charge of whatever another sergeant or lieutenant had showed up. Then he goes, okay, I'll, I'll give you an hour. Before that, they don't think I realized two officers come in my house with me and they're walking around commenting on the layout of the loft style that I live in. Oh, we, so you left two officers in. Was I going to say no? I already know they're telling me that I can't be there, but they're actually doing a search of my house. I guess. You, what did they? What did they do when they came in? Just walked around, just commented they, on the decor of my house. They followed you inside of the yes, house. Yes, but we're looking around, walking around. Oh, this is so nice. I'm going. Okay, all of a sudden now this is an architectural digest, right? They, right? they did a search. Yes, right. Of course. But without doing a search, so then they leave. I'm walking out the door. Fifty-seven minutes later. Remember, I asked for an hour. They were back there 56, 57 minutes later, six cars deep, making sure I was leaving. So I left. But I had talked to DeAndre Braddock. I said, well, you know, I didn't know that. I thought that we were gone, that everybody was gone for 
Thanksgiving break. I didn't know faculty was still here. He goes, no, you should have called no matter what time you got. And when I got released, it was like eight thirty, nine o'clock that night. So I didn't know that anybody would be on campus. That I could call and ask her to come home. I, I was just happy to be out. Yeah. Ready to go lay in my own bed. Um, so I'd leave. So that Wednesday morning of the 24th, I have a meeting with Van Ness, the assistant provost and Deandre Braddock's. So, and Van Ness is also the, the chief, chief of police. police. So he's sitting next to me, the provost across the table, DeAndre. So I tell them, as they say, my version of events, but I, I tell them what happened. And then they kept asking me like I was in court the same thing over and over, I guess, to see if I was going to get upset or lose my cool. And I didn't. So afterward, they go, well, we're so glad that you were calm and, you know, articulate. And I'm going, why Wait, wouldn't I be? What, so what did they ask specifically? They asked me what went on. I showed them the text that I got from Raina. Okay. DeAndre's words verbatim was, well, that's good in your favor that you kept that. But what's bad in your favor was that you came back to, you went to your housing. I said, So th- their claim is that because of the, the break, you weren't supposed to be in the housing? Or no, what's their because claim? I was suspended. And that's because UMSA owns the housing. I shouldn't have been there. Did they cite a contract or? Well, UMSA owns Mansion Hills, I understand. So that's part of campus housing. But yet, if I never had a chance, and I didn't really read the stuff when I got home that night because I had been locked up in the jail. I just wanted to lay down in my own bed. And that morning I was trying to, you know, get things together. So real quick, they tell me, they called me, said, well, we'll make a decision. We're not going to say whether today or when, but we'll let you know. Well, that afternoon, I told them that, you know, I just need to get away from Missouri. So I had a friend gave me a ride to Chicago. Okay. I get a call in route to Chicago saying that we've reinstated you. Your suspension has immediately been uh, rescinded, and we'll send an immediate email out to all your professors, let everybody know that you can come back. So this is DeAndre. Right. Pressing. This is UMSL is also pressing charges. Yes. And, and then it was funny. Then ironically, I get the... Uh, uh, yes. Get, let me finish. This yeah, go ahead. So, yeah. Ironically, sure. then I get a call from Keith Robinson saying, "You have never been banned from the radio station. You can come do your show." But now, okay. So, and real quick, now I'm going through my my student email. All of a sudden, this says someone has tried to hack through my email and that I need to change my word. This is awfully strange. That all these things are now happening. Yeah. I guess they think I'm conversing with people. Mm. They can just go right on Facebook and see the conversations that are happening. It's right. open to everybody. Right. Yeah. Well, we're going to um, take a quick station break, and then we will continue um, past the hour because uh, there's a lot of stuff to talk about yeah. um, uh, with uh, Brian Massey. So we're going to um, do the uh, top of the hour uh, station ID, and then we'll be back uh, in just a second. Uh, We are back. Uh, This is Student Activist Hub Radio. Um, I'm your host, Kevin, with my co-host, Adam, and we're talking with Brian Massey right now. Um, And Um, I I just wanted to um, jump in for a second. Um, So you've heard um, Brian's story, and I I just wanted to read a couple quotes from the student newspaper um, from witnesses that basically, um, you know, agree with Brian's story and don't agree um, with the police story. So I, I just want to sort of emphasize this, this fact that, you know, it's not just Brian's word versus the entire police force of the university. It's basically um, every witness who has been there, who has spoken out um, has, has said this. So um, I'm going to, I'm going to read a first, a couple quotes. So from the first article on the current, um, a student named Justin Collins um, commented. Um, so I'm quoting the newspaper now, quote, Collins said that when Massey was asked by the police to leave, he demanded to know what was going on and then placed 
under and was then placed under arrest. Massey had, quote, one hand in the air and one behind his back, Collins said. When the cops said stop resisting, Brian said, I'm not resisting, I'm just trying to talk. According to Collins, as Massey was being escorted away, he locked his knees and an officer tried to throw him to the floor. That officer, he, Collins said, fell along with Massey and, quote, started punching his head and his body and kneeing him. Another cop uh, gave him a few stomps and a few kicks. They said stop resisting the whole time and Brian was screaming for them to stop. It wasn't like Massey was clicking, kicking or flailing. He was mostly just trying to protect his head. Quote, it was pretty chaotic, Collins said. They beat him for a long time. One cop punched Brian repeatedly, had to catch and stop his breath, yeah. and then punch some more. Yeah. Um, in a second ar- uh, article in The Current, they, they had two more student witnesses. Uh, so, quoting the newspaper, uh, The Current reported on Massey's arrest last week, and since that time, several students have contacted the paper saying they witnessed the incident and wanted to give their account of what happened. The student witnesses take particular exception to police chief Forrest Van Ness's claim that Massey grabbed at the arresting officer when the officer was placing handcuffs on him. Quote, as he was being arrested, he was just asking why and asked if he could just put his wallet back before being handcuffed, end quote, Kenneth Isom, senior biology, said. Um, and then a little later in the article, uh, Dasma Hoskins, Jr., Media Studies, who was also at the MSC, NBC, or the, <laughs> MSNBC, sorry, the MSC at the time of the incident, gave essentially an identical account of the events as Isom did. Both Hopkins and Isom's accounts coincide by and large with what Justin Collins, senior studio art, told the, the current previously. And you know, I, and yeah, I just want to add yeah, previously, quickly, or, or in addition, uh, Kevin, I personally have spoken to a couple other um, witnesses who... Um, I think they wanted to make sure, you know, with Brian uh, first before they they publicly released their names. But they've told basically an identical story, too, um, to these witnesses saying that, you know, Brian was not, um, you know, was not trying to be aggressive. He was not attacking the police officers. They basically got aggressive and and, uh, violent with him and put him under arrest um, just for being in the the student uh, facilities. Uh, and then started beating him severely. So, yeah. so everyone I've seen yeah. who has commented on the story, other than the police, has not agreed with certain details of the police story. Yeah, and Brian, um, you know, has provided the documentation for what specifically the university is alleging, um, which I've read over. And so, the university alleges that this incident, which occurred on November seventeenth, two thousand ten, uh, Brian. Uh, violated uh, a section of the university code of misconduct, which says that um, disruptive or disorderly conduct or lewd, indecent or obscene conduct or expression uh, is a violation if a student um, takes any of those actions. And they also say that they claim that multiple, I'm quoting from the, the document, multiple witnesses observed you, which is referring to Brian, arrest resisting arrest by jerking, pulling back, and shouting at the officers. Uh, and so that's the allegation. And the the media uh, coverage that has uh, interviewed uh, all of the witnesses at the crowd who uh, watched these events um, have not, uh, you know, corroborated and, and, and have uh, confirmed your version of events, which shows no misconduct uh, on your part, no violent resisting of arrest, no shouting at officers. All of the, the quotes that Adam has read 
have, you know, sort of disprove this version of events that has occurred. And by wanting me to not appeal that, if I was to say that I accepted that, that's a way of getting me saying that I was wrong mm-hmm. or that I agreed to what they say. There's no way I was going to say I wasn't going to appeal that because it's it's a fallacy. Mm-hmm. That is just not the truth. That's not truth in reporting, as they say. <laughs> so and have you read over the documents relating to the legal charges that UMSL has filed? Pretty much. And do they make the same allegations? Pretty much. So, what? Go ahead. Adam wants to jump in. I, I just want to jump. I mean, I think, so I'm looking at the same uh, document that Brian just showed us, and I, and I kind of think it's actually um, a smoking gun um, in the sen- in the following sense, because uh, KMOX, uh, the, the, the article that had Brian <laughs> uh, really frustrated when he came in here, that they had changed it to... Um, one of the things that was shocking about it, as I think Brian mentioned, was that that article had a quote from an UMSL official that claimed that Brian had tried to punch an officer, right? Tried wow. to strike an officer. So and why isn't that statement in that? In that exactly. Document. So yeah. so the document they sent dated November 29, 29 2010, 2010 to Brian explaining why he was suspended said absolutely nothing about Brian trying to strike an officer and now quoted on KMOX – now, all of a sudden, three and a half weeks later, the police are claiming that, oh, the reason we did this is because Brian tried to strike an officer. So, I mean, I find that pretty amazing that they would not um, include that in the original um, letter. Well, and, and furthermore, they don't claim that, uh, Brian, you, that you took any actions against the officers. That's not claimed. All they claim is that you were resisting arrest by jerking, pulling back, and shouting at the officers. That's the claim that they have that's the only claim that's in this document uh mm. that they have made and so the officer clark that you had mentioned uh who had said that uh you had allegedly committed some sort of assault um that claim isn't here uh and so you know it, it, it is interesting how you know you have this story and, and in the current article it didn't actually quote any of the police officers on the scene it quoted a university spokesman who described the version of events as if he were on the scene. Right. He was not there. He was not there. Van Ness was not there. He's just been adamant about following us through. You would think he would have some integrity and would want to see the truth prevail. So I I, I have, I mean, I have to add, like I've been, I've been kind of disappointed. I mean, even, even as someone who, you know, I wasn't there, I couldn't see what happened. But yeah. I find it really strange that from day one, uh, the the sort of official account has always been that Brian was guilty. There was never, it, you know, when when five witnesses come forward and say, no, this official story is not true. I just feel like you as a, a an administration have a responsibility to kind of be a little to just be at least open to that possible, you know, and, and like they haven't even said, you know, I wish they would just come forward and say, Oh, we're taking these concerns very seriously and we're going to look into it and we're going to make sure that we get the truth from day one. They've just been saying, no, it was Brian, you know, Brian did this and you know, we know that our officers acted appropriately. And, and to me, that just seems like not, not the approach you would want to take. And it seems strange to me that, I mean, I feel like most places do a better job of saying even if they're not doing even if they're not taking the claim seriously you'd think they would say 
um, you know, we're going to look into this. And I haven't seen that reaction yet. You know, the real interesting part about the first current article, when it says that what they, you know, how they handled the situation, there's a quote that says, Van Ness said that they would have applied pepper mace to me, but the crowd got in the way. And I say to myself, wow, you were going to also mace me? I guess I was fortunate. I'm glad there was a crowd because they were going to mace me also, huh? I mean, you you see my stature. Do yeah. I look like that kind of a threatening guy? Do I seem like I'm going to take out a whole police force? No. Right. Yeah. And then, you know, people that know me and know how I am, that's not the way I carry myself. And uh, I, I try to be gracious to everybody because, you know, I believe in doing to others. You have them doing to you. So I try to treat everybody the same way I wish to be treated myself. And I just, you know, I'm, I'm just really upset by the way that this is all panning out. And it seems like they just want to sweep it under the rug. And I guess they're hoping because of the Thanksgiving break. And because I've been really quiet. I don't say anything on my own show about it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm glad people are stepping up to the plate for me. But as my own, I have not said nothing because I'm worried about how it's going to either be misconstrued or just changed like that story was. Mm-hmm. Now that we have the end of the semester come, we're going to have like a two and a half week break or maybe three you know, I guess they're hoping that this would just die down. And, mm. you know, it's funny, DeAndre Braddock's, and I, I, I quoted uh, to the site on uh, F, or Facebook, Angry Student. You know, we're having a Martin Luther King essay contest, and the title of is Fear, Violence, and Silence. How do you handle it in your community? Mm-hmm. Or what are you doing about it in your community? Isn't that ironic <laughs> that we're now having a Martin Luther King essay contest about fear? Mm-hmm. Violence and silence. Well, they're trying to silence this incident. They've already struck fear. fear. I will I'll yeah. be mad if they struck fear because now I'm worried about every time I walk out my door, am I going to worry about UMSL police coming saying that I got to leave again? Yeah. This is where I live. Yeah. From Chicago, this this is where I live. I moved here three years ago. I graduated from Merrimack with an associate in human services, transferred here, thinking that this was going to be a great experience. Yeah. Then, the, uh, you know, the... Uh, the violence, well, you, we know what that was. You know, I should be protected by the police, yeah. not fear the police. I shouldn't have to worry about who's going to protect me from the police. And that's just, it's just crazy. I would never thought in a million years that I would be the spokesperson for this. But I guess, you know, even though we've come a long way, civil rights is still a major thing in our country. Why do you say that? Because you say that, you know, you don't think race was involved. Uh, the officers... You mentioned one of the officers was an African American, uh, you know, as far no, as. No, no, that wasn't an officer. That was just a stu- uh, employee. One of the employees. That came, all right. That's the that, one that helped me. That helped that you. That said he heard me getting hit. Okay, uh, okay. All the officers that I encountered that evening were all white, Anglo Saxon, Caucasian, however you want to name it. But Officer Wingham, and I say again, was really was respectful. Yeah. He was very respectful. And I, and he and he said, well, you know, and I knew I could tell from his standpoint, he's well, Brian, I didn't see everything. You know, I just came on the scene and he's got to work with them. Yeah. And, and we got to talking and he understood because he was a diabetic. Also, he had a hip replacement surgery. He only just came back to work because he needed to work, wanted to work, whatever. And but I understand he has to keep his job. And I'm quite sure if everybody's not towing the line, I guess heads would roll. You know, that, that's, that's how they do things, period, in, the, in our world. This is how things happen. So, uh, or you want to call it the, the, the blue wall. The blue wall has been set up. Mm-hmm. And I've been really quiet because, I, you know, I'm hoping that justice and the, just the right thing will happen because 
you know, this instance, I, I really, really didn't do anything. And then mm-hmm. DeAndre Braddock asked me during our meeting, well, if you had it all to do again, do you think you should have left the building? And I emphatically said, no, I was not messing with it. And people spoke up and said, well, if she was in such a crisis and, you know, the police weren't called there for me, they were called for her. That's why they actually came. They right. weren't called because I was causing a disturbance out there or uh, I was doing something um nefarious toward her right they were called because the student in crisis was her and that she was talking about committing suicide officer wingham came back and told me while i was still locked up at Uncle station that brian is i'll let you know the young lady all this is all about she just left like nothing happened her friends took her out and she's gone now fast forward when i came back to school the following weeks she happened to come out the radio station and came up to touch me and say oh i'm so grateful you okay but she had just told somebody not to lie. And that person was, and this is hearsay because I, you know, but she was speaking to me at the time in my ear saying, you know, she told me that she was mad at me for, you know, commenting and gossiping on Facebook about what happened. And I just asked her what happened because I didn't know. And then she told me that you got what you deserve. Just as she was telling me that she said, I got what I deserve. She came out and grabbed my arm and said, I'm grateful. And I said really loud in front of everybody out here. So everybody can me, please don't touch me. This Don't is Diva DJ. This, Divine Diva. This, is, Div- G, yes. this is Divine Diva who right. said that. And so that's the interaction. You, at the beginning of this, the our interview, you mentioned that the sports director, Joe Edwards. John, 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 John Edwards. Edwards uh, in, he talked to you outside of the radio studio on the second floor of the Millennium Student Center. Right. And he said that, you know, he, he, he you know, insulted you. Uh, you know, and then he was the one who the instigator. Yes, he. You saw him talking to with the, the police to, officer to, to Clark, right? To Clark and the other one uh, prior, whatever. Yeah, but right here. And then when I came back, and I've been gracious. I've spoke to everybody. I even spoke to her. But I just don't want to touch me. When John saw me, he sheepishly put his head down. as I go hi, and then he has a hard time looking me eye to eye now. So, so John is still speaking with you. I mean, I know, he, I, know he, I still you, speak to you him. You spoke to him. Right, because the first day of my doing my show, he was in the back and didn't say a word to me. I came in and spoke, and he didn't speak to me. But I'm, and, and, you know, I'm not mad at the officers. I'm not mad at him. I'm mad at how I was treated. Because if I stay mad, or as those saying, you know, dogs get mad. I'm angry now because now uh, an article got changed, and it puts a different light and makes it, it's just an, a lie. I'm not mad because if I hold on to that, that affects me and my health. Yeah. When you're a diabetic and got high blood pressure and you're middle-aged like me, you try to do everything right. So if I stay mad and angry, that doesn't do me any good. They win. I'm not going to let them win. How, you know, you mentioned John Edwards uh, and Divine Diva. Why do you think that he became so passionate uh, when he, when you saw him interacting with Clark and then when he, came out to the Millennium Student Center and made profane statements against you. Because he wants to be in charge. I'm just going to put it out there. There's always been rumors and stuff, and I don't try to get into that trivia stuff here. I come and do my show. My show is called The Karma Sutra, music to balance you and put you in a good position. I'm always trying to talk about tolerance, love, and just being forgiving with everybody. And so I, I, I don't get involved in the, as they call office politics of what's going on here. This is all non-paying. I don't see what the commotion is and why everybody wants to have a power struggle. But John had an interaction with me when we first repainted the, I was uh, going to ask you, yeah. uh, the, uh, the, the studio back in studio B, the office. Yeah. And what happened was they bought only 
two rollers and one brush. But there was like 12 to 15 people here trying to help paint. Well, John was doing rolling on the wall, and he kept telling, you know, why don't you all help and everything. So I spoke up because I'm grown. I said, well, if you would let somebody use the brush or the roller, maybe people can help. So he turned around, got all upset and fiery and everything. And I said, you know, I already see what it is. You're going to tell everybody that no one helped, but you helped paint. He got mad like a little child and stormed out. Everybody said, Brian, go apologize to him. We need him here. I said, why do I need to go apologize? All I spoke was the truth. I said, now that he's gone, I can take a roller and I can paint. And then we got the place painted and everybody helped out. It's even a, a, a version on the U News showing that we were finishing up the paint and everything. Mm-hmm. Why he got upset? Because I guess I called him on what he was doing. I don't know. Mm-hmm. And then right after that, whenever I seen him, I still was like, hello, John. Good morning, John. I I had no ax to grind. Mm-hmm. You know, then he would speak, but he always wants to come in and call the shots. And I, I really don't know what it's all about. This is my first semester being a DJ. I understand he's been there for a while. I really don't know that, and I don't want to know. Okay. But uh, that could be my only reason, understanding for why all of a sudden now he wants to interact because, once again, he's the sports director. He got nothing to do with calling about the music, even the talk shows, or the operations of the station. His main concern should be covering the basketball, the volleyball games, which he was doing. Yeah. And that's it. You know, let's take a quick station break. Uh, It's uh, 20 minutes after, and then we can get back to the interview uh, and continue the discussion. I know Adam wants to jump in. Okay, we are back. This is Student Activist Hub Radio, and I'm uh, your host, Kevin, with my co-host, Adam. Yeah, I I, I just wanted to mention, so uh, Brian was talking a little bit about um, sort of the interaction he had with John Edwards, and, and I just wanted to add, you know, from... Since, you know, Brian's show is right after ours, um, you know, we see him every night and he has always been, you know, 100% positive, super nice. If you look at his Facebook wall, it's always very positive. You know, he's just does not, I mean, you know, obviously you can get different impressions on, you know, different people can get different impressions, but there's nothing at all about Brian that would suggest that he would be angry or like aggressive or violent um, in a situation like that. Um, and so, I mean, maybe by itself that, that might not, you know, people might not know how strong of evidence that is, but when you combine that with, you know, all of these eyewitnesses who basically say that the situation was, um, was messed up and that the police account isn't right, I think that, that tells you something. But I also wanted to mention, uh, just sort of imagine, um, you know, put, put yourself in the, in that situation and imagine, you know, someone who you might've had words with in the past, and you're sitting in a public place like, you know, a school lobby and someone just comes up to you and says, you need to leave the building, um, who doesn't have the authority to say that, um, you know, probably I think my reaction would be, you know, like, no, you know, I'm not going to leave the building. Uh, and, and, you know, it seems obviously it seems very understandable um, why Brian would do that. And so um, so, I mean, I think that part of it, you know. It, it, it's just you know it's very understandable why he would do that and there was no there's no sort of legal reason why brian would have to leave and then the rest of his story uh which you just heard uh, a little bit ago is also very interesting where the police never really asked him to leave they just asked him for his id and then uh when the crowd kind of started getting agitated then they then they escalated it and and told him he was trespassing but when they they hadn't even asked him to leave so i just wanted to sort of uh, put that in a little context um and you know what's interesting to me we have the official document 
sent by the university. And, you know, they make fairly strong statements, although, you know, as we pointed out, uh, as you pointed out, Brian, oh, I was going to read, uh, as, as you pointed out, Brian, um, you know, they have sort of not been consistent in putting those statements forward when it comes to the press accounts and the KMOX uh, story. But they have claimed that you um, failed to comply with the directions of university officials performing their duties and that um, you were disruptive, disorderly, uh, you know, and, and violated the clause that prevented lewd and indecent and obscene conduct or expression. And, you know, what we've seen is we haven't seen what we've seen is we've seen an interaction where a, in a, a person who wasn't at the authority, um, you know, um, has told you to, to leave the studio and le- told you to leave the student center and then apparently um, hurled a, a profane, um, you know, expression at you, you know, and there's tension there. And we've also seen, you know, uh, sort of the reverse uh, within your account of sort of disru- disorderly and disruptive uh, conduct, uh, you know, um, by, by some of the officers that were involved. You know, what going ahead, you know, and, and of course the university is also pressing charges uh, and, you know, re- you were required to pay bail uh, or pay bond, uh, you know, what going forward, you know, are you going to be doing and you're going to be focused on? Well, uh People that I've talked with in, in council, you know, they're telling me that it's going to take about $5,000 just to represent me in this case. Um, so I'm looking at trying to uh, find a way to pay for my legal fees. Um, the sun doesn't stop shining. The world don't stop spinning. So once I got back in school, uh, we all just had finals this week. So I had to take finals. So I've been studying. Um, it's been hard focusing, you know getting my head wrapped around all this. And, you know, it, people have stopped me now or realized in my class that I was the student that happened to. So, you know, people want to ask me questions and talk to me. And I just can't say, oh, I need a moment. I really don't want to talk. But people are going out the way to speak up about this. So I feel it's my duty to to talk to them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, let them, and then I've always told them, and anybody can re- report that I would say, I'd rather you go to this site and read the eyewitness accounts because me telling you my version, as mm-hmm. they say, doesn't do justice. If you read something else and then I tell you that you can see exactly where I'm coming from. Mm-hmm. And on the same note, Kenda Isom worked in the university bookstore. They fired her or terminated her because of her being in support of the, uh, of me and what was happening to me saying that it was wrong. When she reported for work, I, I don't know if it was the next day or that Friday, they terminated her. You were with a university official outside in the student center um, before the uh, police came and, and informed you that they wanted you to leave. Who? Wh- what was her reaction? Do you know? I mean, I mean what is she doing now? I, I mean, what, what university official? You were with the, I, I don't recall oh, the mean, name. Oh, with Damaris uh, Damaris Car- she's Carter. She's a student, and she she's with the university program boards. We oh, okay. Were, she's not an official with right, the university. No, okay. She, we were talking. Okay. And I was actually on my knees, kneeling beside her, looking over the railing, and she was talking to another student. I mean, it wasn't like anybody was even talking or paying attention to what was really going on. Till the young lady I said earlier kept coming in and out of the studio with her phone. 
doing the impromptu updates about who and, and what is her you mentioned that she has a child right and- I, I don't know her name but other ones know her i don't know her name i I've, I've seen her and met her but i've never really sat and talked to her but she was the one that was coming in and out the door saying that we need to get somebody here why aren't they here yet i mean and she was very loud about it on her phone back and forth she was bringing attention to what was going on back here and nothing and, to do and with she me. was sort of being dramatic or yeah she was being dramatic what was the reaction and i don't think that she was being dramatic on purpose but, but that's just she was being dramatic and what was the crowd's re- what i mean when we talk about the crowd and if for those of you for our listeners who haven't been in the millennium student center you know the second floor holds the radio studio and it sort of has a rage atrium that circulates around an escalator and there's you know some tables and chairs and there's a lot of room for for audience but how many people um were out and about on the second floor well uh when i first got up here it was few uh because um i just came upstairs and i guess but as the thing escalated as the the police came out classes must have just gotten out Mm -hmm. so vast majority of people had just came across the bridge and this is like place where like people congregate so just before the class got out it had started getting a little thicker in the crowd now i myself saw about maybe 30 or 40 people now as the thing went on i was then you know i'm in the middle of the storm i'm reaping the whirlwind as they say yeah classes were coming out and i think that's what increased the volume of people because people then had just came across the bridge and then they come to this scene of what was happening with me mm-hmm. so Estimates I've been told there were 70 to 100 students. I really couldn't save myself because at the point I was in facing the glass of the radio station or facing the floor in the doorway. So I really could do a real accurate accounting. Okay. But, I mean, you mentioned that some people in the crowd were shouting at the police. Yes. Uh, even Kenda Isom, she, she would readily tell you that she was saying things and it wasn't me. Mm-hmm. I, I never did say anything you, aggressive. At all. And you never raised your voice. You never, um, you know, according to these allegations, uh, you were never, you know, acting in lewd, you know, conduct, of course, indecent, obscene expression. I mean, what do you say to those? The only thing I did was say, what do you mean I'm trespassing and put my shoulders up and then got my arm grabbed and got cuffed on my left hand, grabbed by my my right hand. And they were trying to put the cuff. That's when they start twisting me. And I was telling them, please hold on. Give me a chance why are you doing this give me a second i'll I'll do what you say i can't move that fast i have neuropathy my legs don't move that quick i'm trying to explain to them i guess they thought i was making it up or just trying to get out but as this all has come to fruition i was dead serious this is the truth these are the facts of the situation i do have neuropathy i am a disabled student and you know those that know the african-american church they have this saying where they say well you know uh, don't claim something. Yeah. Well, I'm not claiming to be handicapped or even putting out that you wouldn't know it from seeing me. That doesn't mean I'm not. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is what it is. It's a fact and something I deal with. And it's probably on my new schedule with people I have seen before that have real, you know, true disabilities are in wheelchairs, whatever. And my heart goes out to them. When I think of what I have, I say, well, you know, I'm fortunate. I mean, it's bad, but it's not as bad because it can always get worse. Right. So that's my thinking. Um, so what we're saying about moving forward, mm-hmm. my whole thing is, A, I still want to get my bachelor's in criminal justice. I'm trying to get my GPA up. I'm trying to balance being a father, a grandfather, 
I have my everybody. We all have things going on in our life. I got other little things going on in my life, dealing with family stuff. So I'm trying to do what I need to do. My whole reason for being in school was to be a role model to my three sons that I have mm-hmm. from my ex-wife to show them that it's never too late to do what you need to do. My mother's a retired school teacher. And the reason why I got back in school, a gentleman that was from her alma mater of Kentucky State University had passed away. I knew this man my whole life. I didn't realize how many connections he had and how he was about education. Um, and even the guy that used to be over the NEA, the National Education Association, Reginald Weaver, worked with my mom. I knew him also. Hmm. So I had all these great people in my life, and I hadn't lived up to my potential. And at his homecoming, I decided I'm going back to school. I need to finish what I started because I went to school 20 years ago at Florida Memorial University but didn't finish. So I said, well, you know what? I need to finish. And then being disabled, you know, I can't do physical labor like everybody else. Uh, so having that, I said, well, you know, I need a good job where I can use my head. And, you know, I can do that still. Mm. Um, and, and on a side note, with all this that's going on, I need to state to folks, I just told you that I'm disabled. I get disability from Social Security. Mm-hmm. I also fill out for student loans. I get Pell Grants. I'm on Medicaid. The big picture says that if you have a felony, you're not allowed to have all that. In my mind, before all this transfer, I'm not trying to do anything that's going to jeopardize. I need my diabetic supplies. I need Medicaid. We just had a big thing in our country about health care, right, and reform. Mm-hmm. I'm fortunate enough to be qualified for Medicaid because of my disability status. I wear an insulin pump. Let me tell you a real quick story. When I got my insulin pump, they sent me some paperwork that says that Medicaid will pay for this. And move right on and said, but in the event of your death, mm. <laughs> before the contract's paid out, your estate should have to pay for this insulin pump. I'm not trying to do anything that's going to jeopardize my health. Why would they think I would act out or be enraged when they were doing that? When I know for myself how I need to carry myself, I'm always looking at the big picture. And I tell everybody, you, need, you know, you got to see the big picture of what's going on. And so we're looking ahead. I still got the big picture in mind. I plan on having my mother come down here, see me graduate. And then I also plan to get my GP up sparkling. And my, my lofty goals are to get to law school mm-hmm. and pass the bar the first time. Mm-hmm. Now, with all that said, people always come up to me and tell me, well, you're going to get paid. You're going to get some money. I keep telling everybody I need my name exonerated. That's the main thing. I need my name clear. I need these tra- charges dropped. I need to be acquitted of all charges. But after reading this change of the article and then uh, me, Dasma and Kenda went up to the board of curators meeting that happened here on Thursday, mm-hmm. seeing if we would get a chance Well, they were actually going to speak on my behalf. I wasn't going to say nothing. Mm-hmm. If they could bring the issue up in front of curators, well, they just kept talking about the budget and everything that, you know, the university of Missouri program that covers all the schools, you know, and the finances. I'm not ashamed to say right now, by changing that article, by misspeaking, misrepresenting, and lying, Umsa owes me now. So, and you know what? I'm amazed at how you know calm you are, and and you know even upbeat you have been. You know, just just you know your demeanor and your expressions, and and um, you know everything in light of all of these these this litany of events. You know, and sort of the the interesting, you know, the the very unusual circumstances and actions taken by the University uh, of Missouri St. Louis. Um, you know what? 
you, you want your name to be exonerated uh, and, and these charges dropped. What, you know, and, and do you also, you know, what steps are you going to take, you know, for that further, you know, sort of vindication? Well, I'm talking with counsel. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, students are stepping up. People are talking to me. You know, I, I've told people, you know, I can't be nothing but strong with good people like this now holding me up now. Um, you know, you reap what you sow, right? And I, if, if if you ever get a chance to listen to my show, I say this all the time. Life is 10% what happens to you, mm-hmm. 90% how you respond. Mm-hmm. And if you let somebody that you despise stay in your head, you let them live rent free in your head but then i add to that why despise them love them Mm -hmm. if you look at my facebook there's a quote that says from thin natch nan that Mm -hmm. uh your smile can be the source of your joy but your joy can be the source of your smile Mm -hmm. and people always tell me that i smile all the time (laughs) my mother raised me to be that way Mm -hmm. my father helped also too in that so i've been very fortunate and blessed in my life um it could always be far worse, right? And, you know, I had to write a paper for uh, a sociology uh, class with Dr. Patterson here mm-hmm. my first semester. And it was about helping. And in the paper, real quick, it, we had to describe an incident where we had to help. And in part of that paper, I wrote that, you know, and I have to say this, African-American men no longer have an excuse because we have President Obama, mm-hmm. which says the glass ceiling has been broke. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean that, you know, it's going to continue. He might, if he's going to run a re-election, but it's just saying that you can aspire to be something and you can be, it. you can't keep saying as it used to be the term in the seventies. Cause I grew up in there. The man is holding me down. Mm-hmm. Can't use that no more. Mm-hmm. You, you can be judged as an individual and on your own merit that you have to do your own thing. You got to pull your own stuff up by, as they say, your bootstraps. If you really want something, there are ways and means of going out and getting what you need. It's hard for everybody out there. So no one's getting a vacation, but there's no reason to say that you can't do it or someone's holding you back. And then when I come here to the school, like I helped out with a welcoming for the international students. It's such a diverse school. I'm so glad to be here and to see all the diversity that I see. I was like, man, I thought I was at, as they would say, at Mecca. I, 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 wow. I, mm-hmm. it, it was great. Like when I went to Merrimack, St. Louis Community College, I met so many great people there. And till this incident, people would, I would meet and I'd tell them I'm from Chicago and I would tell everybody was friendly that I met in St. Louis. And they're going, where you been? Everybody in St. Louis. I mean, I said, well, you know, you get what you give. If mm-hmm. you give off negative energy, you're going to receive negative energy. So I guess I've been blessed that what I've been giving off has been returned to me. And people that know me, I'll be walking past people. My favorite little phrase is smile. You could be me or it could always be worse. Right. So, you know, <laughs> um, and I tell people on my show, you know, when you smile, you definitely have my undivided attention. And why don't you uh, go infect somebody with joy? If you're going to spread an infectious disease, make it joy. Mm-hmm. When you smile at somebody, you know, you can't help but smile back. And there's some people are having a really bad day or a really bad life. And they'd be like, what are you smiling about? But then sometimes your energy might go past them. And just the fact that you smiled at them might might not make their day, but it might make their minute, might make that moment. Mm-hmm. So, I'm not going to let this destroy me, but I'm a phoenix, too. From my ashes, I rise. You know what I'm saying? I recreate myself every day. At the end of my show, I I pretty much tell everybody that, you know, the past is uh, the past, but, you know, you can still have your dreams uh, and remember them. The future isn't promised, 
but yet still make your plans because life is what happens when you make plans. But ultimately, we are given uh, the present. This is why we call it the gift. So you get the chance to wake up, use this new day wisely and make the best of it. I really live by that. So, you know, even though things have gone on and far things worse have happened to other people in history lately. It was funny while I was in St. Louis County Jail, you know, the, the the report came out, which is really not a real good report, but we have to subscribe to it as because I'm now a Missourian, St. Louis, for federal funding that puts St. Louis on the top as the most, you know, dangerous city, whatever. Oh, yeah. yeah. But that's wrong because it's looking at population size. If Chicago does mm. not even give their information to this yeah, report. Yeah. So mm. it's I have to say it's bogus. But it's ironic. I'm sitting in jail going, most violent city was well, funny. Wasn't a common criminal or somebody in the community. I got beat up by the police. Mm-hmm. Wow. So if it's violent out there for just, you know, us regular citizens, man, I thought the police were supposed to protect me. I didn't know I needed to worry about was I going to get beat up by the police. I'm also, and I'm new to this area and I can walk anywhere. And everybody I meet is nice to me. I'm not worried about going in any area, period. I now worry about walking out my own door. Mm. And I shouldn't. Mm-hmm. And I'm not fear of anything but but insects. I got a rack. <laughs> you know, I don't like spiders. Mm-hmm. The only time I braved that face when I was my sons were babies, and like a spider coming, daddy be like, and smile. I got him inside. Going, oh my god! Oh, oh god! So, but my, the future says, God willing, that I'm going to get through this. That hopefully some good will come out of this. If the gentlemen need in-service training. I, I don't know. I used to be a mental health tech for the state of Illinois. Um, it, it's just that, you know, I know how things go. I know when you write reports, but if awareness brings to the fact that things need to be fixed, and I heard of a story that there was a young lady that had an interaction with the UMSO police outside the bookstore, and that her actions was that she cursed and spit and screamed at her. And that all they did was talk to her in 30 minutes. They just let her walk away. So I don't know what the specifics of that was, but why is it she can spit and scream and, you know, curse at them and walk away without cuffs? I get asked for my ID. I spend three days in jail. That's one of the, the, well, Adam, did you want to jump in? Because I I wanted to comment on that. Um, Um, No, no, go for it, Kevin. Um, I just had heard you a few times, so I thought you wanted to. But, you know, that's one of the things that, that's a little, uh, that's sort of one of the issues that, that's frightening about this is the inconsistency that the uh, police and the administrators uh, have have had um, in your case and sort of the fact that they are not publicly, um, you know, uh, claiming that they reviewed any of their actions. And so this event could easily happen again on Correct. campus to another student. And, you know, that, that document you have, that's the copy, because I, I sent the original to him, but I thought to myself, because, you know, I'm a criminal justice major. I, I'm, I'm grown. I've got a little life experience. I said, well, you know, I need to cover my own stuff because they're circling their wagons and they're doing the CYA. Mm-hmm. Let me keep this copy, this document. And, you know, as you pointed out, you know, it was a revelation to me just now. Like, you know what? Everything they're saying in this the stories and changing up, but the official document they gave me, why wouldn't they state that in the document that they want me to sign for, for put me on probation? Yeah. So now, 
they have pigeonholed themselves. So with all this, you know, and I'm going to make sure this gets out. Yeah. How are they going to handle this now? What are they going to do next? But see, this is why, and I, I must admit, I know that looking at the big picture, I know if I keep going forth with this, I'm asking for trouble because they're going to great lengths to cover this up. But this is not even, uh, this is a small percentage of the might they can wield to try to cover something up. So imagine if they put the full court press on this. Which, what, what do you, why do you say that? I mean, what do you think that could consist of? Who knows? I mean, what, what are they afraid of? The fact that students want these officers removed or the fact that their officers were wrong in, in their reaction to this. And then all they're doing now is, you know, is, is covering one lie up with another lie. Eventually, the truth is going to come out. It's going to be seen for what it is. And you're not calling for the officers to be removed. You, you said if they had to go through training. Uh, right. then that would be satisfactory. And I don't want to disappoint you. anybody out there. <laughs> I don't have a personal vendetta against them. You see, in, in interesting, uh, I've been studying Asian philosophy, uh, Eastern philosophy for a while. That was one of my things that I even took the class for um, here. And uh, I've really been into Zen and Buddhism and, and reading on uh, even uh, the Muslim religion. I'm just reading everything. I just like getting information and educating myself mm-hmm. on everybody's perspective well through all these years and then going through martial arts and everything you know i've really learned you know my favorite guy is bruce lee not because of his martial arts people don't realize he was a, a philosophy major at washington university in uh uh in washington state mm-hmm. so yeah. um reading all the kind of stuff like that and and gearing up while i was sitting in my uh dorm in front in, uh infirmary room at St. Louis County jail. Um, I had been told that I was finally going to go to court Monday. Well, Monday morning came and said, well, no, you're scheduled for Tuesday. So I had regaled myself that where I'm going to be. I actually thought I was going to be there all week. I just accepted that was the fact because I still hadn't really been able to talk to nobody. So I'm laying in my bed and you know, we all are human. I'm thinking I really want to get back. I'm, I'm, I'm mad at John. I'm mad at Raina. I just, I'm mad at the police putting their hands on me. I don't believe this is happening to me. And then over myself, I, you know, I remembered, and it's a quote from the Bible, vengeance is mine, said the Lord. Mm. Um, but then more so the fact that I remember of learning to empty yourself, like it says in Eastern philosophy, and just letting go. And that everything that happens here is just an illusion that keeps you from enlightenment. Mm. The minute I let go, and as people say in the church, let go and let God. But the minute I just let go of all that anger and exhaled and said, you know, it is what it is. It's going to be what it's going to be. It's going to be all right. There was a knock on the window that said, Master, you release. I was like, wow. <laughs> that was dying. But, you know, it was like affirmation that, you know, the universe is listening and watching. Mm-hmm. And sometimes uh, we will prevail. I, I believe all in all, you know, uh, things may go wrong, but I do believe cream does rise to the top. I hope yeah. so. And I, I've really, I mean, it's been, um, you know, one good thing about this is just seeing what a, uh, a big community of people has been, you know, that has been on that Facebook page, um, that's supporting you and people signing a petition. And there's, uh, there's really a good, you know, it seems like they're a great group of people who are, who are rooting for you and, uh, you know, who, who understand what happened and who are really, you know, pushing for you to be okay. So, um, it's, it's good to see that, 
um, that community is there. And, and it seems like people are dedicated enough that this issue is not going to just uh, kind of disappear the way some people seem like they want it to. Right, go yeah. the way to Dodo, yes. Hopefully it, right. it will stay relevant. So. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I find it interesting that the university, you know, they, you know, I could see why they wanted to disappear, but, you know, they are the ones that have taken the most aggressive posturing, True. you know, and have been, you know, very forthright in what they believe that you have done. And so, you know, they made the allegations in the press. Uh, and in fact, you know, do we get you? I think we should we talk, spend a little time about the uh, KMOX yeah, uh, story. I wanted to ask about that. So yeah. do you mind if I so I, I, I have here um, I actually wrote about it when. On, on the blog when KOMX S- had, STL Activist Hub. Mm-hmm. Yeah. STL Activist Hub. <laughs> Blogspot.com. Got to do the plug. <laughs> um, right. Do the plug. Got to make sure you image. Yeah. <laughs> well, you could, so you can see for yourself that I, I had, wrote, exactly. I had writ, yeah. written about it when the first article came out because I thought, oh, this is a good article. Finally, the mainstream media is picking up on the story. They probably should have done it three weeks ago, but, you know, finally they're actually getting the story. And I quoted the article. Um, which relied heavily on, you know, quotes from witnesses. So so one of the quotes from here, for example, said, um, quote, witnesses say Massey displayed uh, amazing calmness as he was struck, eventually going down on one knee in hopes of avoiding further confrontation. But he says that only made him an easier contact. They hit me in the side, hit me again in the legs, pushed my head into a wall and started hitting me in the head. It was only when a campus employee stepped between the officers and Massey did the beating come to an end, according to witnesses. So that's what the original story said. Um, somehow I was on the internet today again, and I was uh, looking at the KMOX website, and I, I noticed that uh, the title of this piece was different. Um, the title uh, used to be um, uh, Allegations of Police Brutality at, at UMSL, um, but when I was looking on the KMOX site, it, said, it now said... Um, I think it said, uh, oh, sorry, my uh, internet is trying to mess with me, but um, it said, uh, Umzel deny, the new title was Umzel denies campus police acted improperly. And, you know, maybe that's not, that changing the title is not such a big deal. But looking at the article um, was just shocking because they had taken out all of the quotes from witnesses, two-thirds of the story. It was like a much shorter story. And now the story only quoted Brian and left out a ton of things. Like one of the things that I thought was interesting that they left out was Brian, like you said in the interview today, they asked him in this quote, you know, do you think race played an issue? And he said, no, I don't think race was an issue. And that was at the end of the old article. Well, that's completely gone now. And they took out all the fact that the witnesses were complaining about it. And they inserted a new story from uh, from the uh, the public relations guy at umsel um who now said that brian was trying to throw a punch at the officer that he had spun around and tried to throw a punch at the officer which as we saw earlier was not not in any of the the previous uh newspaper articles and not in the official um complaint that they sent to brian um so now he's claiming that he tried to uh, punch the officers so i didn't know what was going on i called i actually called the radio station and i spoke to a guy there um bob i don't i don't remember this uh last name off the top of my head i could probably find it um but i I spoke to the guy bob who said that he was the person who edited the story uh and changed it from the original one and what he said was that um umsel had called him later 
last night and told him their version of events, and he was, quote, balancing the story. Um, but I asked him, well, why did you um, take out all the stuff from witnesses? And he said, oh, well, we didn't really know if that was true or not, and right. we had to take all that stuff out. Um, but Wait, how, how did they get that? How did they interview the wit? Didn't they interview the witnesses? I don't know. So that I mean, that's an interesting question. Is why I mean, it, well, I don't know what you know. Um, Friday, I was interviewed by St. Louis American, so they said their issue doesn't come out till Thursday. So hopefully, that will yeah. So, okay, and okay. I, I gave him contact numbers to the five main witnesses too. Oh, excellent. So okay. he can also check the sources. So you know, and um, I do believe. One of the ones that talked to me, I don't know if it was Justin Winokur or because two people called me from KMOV uh, and talked to me. Um, I gave them contact information also, too, because they, the, the witnesses told me it was OK to give out information. They'd be glad that the media was finally, you know, interested. Now, mm-hmm. it's funny when you watch the TV show, you know, I mean, with Larry and all them, they keep talking about how they truth and reporting all that <laughs> well somebody needs to get in touch with them and let them know that even their own words are now paper yeah. thin they paper thin right now mm. it's I, anorexic even as mel gibson said it's anorexic real thin it's real thin i'm well, amazed i mean you know and of course with the internet these days it's not difficult to make copies of the article so i'm amazed that they took it down without thinking that somebody could have taken a screenshot um of the article and continues to have the original version. I do hear that that is happening. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> um, yeah. I, so I don't know. I, I, I was telling Kevin, I wish I had been sort of more aggressive with this editor when I talked to him because because yeah. ex- his explanation really does not make sense. Like if you're saying you're balancing the story, okay, I can understand why when Umzel calls, you would include more quotes from Umzel. That makes sense to update a story with that. But it doesn't really make sense to take out um, huge sections of the story um, in the name of balancing an article. And in fact, making that story less informative um, because you're now taking away sources of information uh, and having only the, the only the quotes from the police and only the quotes from Brian as the whole as the whole story. So uh, and, and it's also really interesting. I mean. You know, it's hard to know without asking, like... Yeah, they took the meat and potatoes out and made it vegetarian. <laughs> oh. It became vegan real quick, didn't it? <laughs> well, oh, Adam, you're... I don't know. I'm vegan, so I'm not a huge fan of that analogy. But yeah, um, I'm, no, that's but the, but the I'm, I'm happy with my vegan. I'm happy with my vegan. a whole lot more to it. Not, and I have, yeah. you know what, because uh, my medical status, I try to eat healthy, you know, anything. But, oh, so, there you go. but all of a sudden now, you know, you took the way the meat and potatoes and just left the lettuce. And okay. then, you know, <laughs> there we go. All right. <laughs> but you didn't include salad dressing. I, I, I don't get it. Yeah. And and but what but what happened? I mean, this timeline, it's hard to know exactly what happened. But we do know that Umsel called the radio station and then they took away um, this big chunk of the article. So I think, you know, I feel like if, if Umsel called them and told them to take out sections, to me, that seems a little uh inappropriate i don't know but but it's worth can we say cover up yeah mm-hmm. it's worth asking mm-hmm. i th- I feel like it's worth asking you know are they actually calling and you know telling them not to not to provide you know not to include information that they thought was newsworthy before mm-hmm. um you well, know but it could have university just- of I, I do believe our institution according to the board of cur- curators meeting 
they have $65 million that they haven't touched that has accrued since, you know, last year in the last few years. I guess they got a lot of money to throw around to throw their weight around. I guess this would be bad for, you know, incoming students who wants to send their kid here. You know, first, you know, I've heard talk and this is just, I've heard that, you know, they do a whole lot because of where also is situated to make people feel like they will be safe. But then I guess it's bad publicity that you can't even feel safe from the people that are hired to protect you. Mm, right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and that was another thing I wanted to mention earlier. I mean, the the top absolute top priority of the campus police should be to keep people safe and particularly to keep the students safe, you know, who are yeah. paying to be here and to get an education and for them to be on such a short fuse that they reacted so violently to Brian um, for doing very, even on their version of events, Brian no. didn't do very much. No. And their version of events, no one even agrees with. But for them to <laughs> react that violently is absolutely not in keeping with what their primary role should be at the university. And I, I just don't see how, um, and there was a quote in one of the current articles that said a, a student said that the administration was being kind of nonchalant about this. And I really... And have been amazed to see so little of a reaction from the university other than to just say, oh, yeah, you know, we take the police word on this. But, um, yeah. um, you know, we have about four minutes, I guess, to the hour. Um, you know, beloved show is after us. So, uh, you know, yes, uh, even though coming up soon will be Love Connections, the weekend edition of the Karma Sutra with your man, beloved, also known as the Love Below. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you know, what there's a lot of students who are involved, um, uh, and you know, what would you uh, say to those students, um, and, and other people who might. Uh, be be interested in getting more information about your your uh, situation in this case, uh, you know, and and then how to to you know try to uphold the values that the police here at Umsul should should have when re- with respect to protecting the student body. Well, if you need more information, I would suggest you go to Facebook. If you are on Facebook and go to Umsul police went too far for information and by the petition they have signed that they actually do want the removal of the officers. Um, and then also you go to an a n n Greece student G R E S T U D N T and join that. Also, you know, people are talking about it. There's conversations. Uh, they're trying to start a chat room. I understand. Um, and also if, if you like to talk to me, Brian K. Massey on Facebook. Become a friend. I don't have a problem talking about it on Facebook. If you want to ask me a question, feel free to ask. Uh, I'll do my best to give you the most honest answer I can with integrity. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That sounds good. Yeah. Well, uh, Brian, we uh, really appreciate uh, you being willing to come on the show. No, I appreciate uh, you all taking the interest. (laughs) It's me that is very appreciative. You didn't have to do this. This wasn't, you know, this is not your problem. But everybody, I said everybody, well, it is because it could happen to anybody. It is, but, yeah, it could um, happen to anyone, yeah. I, and, and, words cannot say how I'm, how grateful I am to those that have taken up the cause. Because um, it could just be just swept underneath the rug or, it can, you know, and other people could use it for a different agenda. This is why I keep saying I don't personally believe race played a part in it. I just believe it was uh, bad timing. Bad planning. Uh, they did not 
use their training correctly. Um, interaction with the crowd probably made them fearful. They probably felt themselves outnumbered. You know, even officers with guns and badges get scared. This is why you have accidental shooting sometimes. I'm glad it didn't escalate that I was either harmed any worse or could have lost my life. It happens here, too. So, you know, mm-hmm. you just don't read about it in books. You just don't see it in movies. It happens in real life. Yeah. Well, on that note, um, thank you for coming on the show, beloved. Uh, we're Brian. Sorry to use your DJ name. It Brian, is all right. <laughs> Brian Massey. They're going to hear my voice in about five minutes. <laughs> anyhow, so, you know. Yes. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show uh, and sharing your story, uh, you know, with us um, for the wider community. And we will post the show uh, in podcast form on stlactivisthub.blogspot.com. And so, and I must say, you know, the current has been trying to get in touch with me, but I decided that, and I was going to talk to them. Um, someone told me if I just keep it in the current circle of the current, it would never get anywhere else. So, thanks to Adam, that I, I got in touch with St. Louis American, or they got in touch with me, mm-hmm. and you all are the first persons that I've basically, other than them. And the, when I was interviewed by the two people that called me yesterday, they have now changed their story. This is truly the first real interview that I've had in person, other than with the gentleman from St. Louis American. So I'm proud to say, you know, with my, look at me, with, with the you, we still bring it to you. So, you know, yeah. nice. I, 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 came, I came to the source to give you the source. <laughs> you got yeah. it right from the source. So you know. Yeah. Well, thanks so much for coming on the show. Um, and we will post it in podcast form. Uh, so you've been listening to Student Activist Hub Radio, uh, our interview with Brian Massey. Uh, and I'm your host, Kevin, uh, with my co-host, Adam. Uh, and um, so we're going to close out the show and, you know, bring on uh, the next show, uh, Kama Sutra with Beloved. Hey, <laughs> get ready, baby. Yeah. So All right. Thanks for listening. Good night.